0: Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeubc.org. This morning, I want to give honor to each of you who wake up early, who stay up late, you work hard, you are productive members of our society, whether you work in an office you drive a truck, you're a first responder, you serve in our awesome, amazing military, you build houses, or maybe you consult businesses, or perhaps you're a stay-at-home mom that raises and educates your children. You are the backbone of this nation, and contrary to what you may feel, contrary to what you see this past week in the news in the past few weeks, we live in a great Nation, Amen. We have a lot. We have a lot of problems. We have a lot of issues. We have a lot of liberties that are at risk. And my dad and I, we were privileged to be at two really, really, really um, once in a lifetime events this past week with with um, major, major leaders in our country, in our state. Um, Wednesday afternoon, we were at a prayer event for our law enforcement. Please, please, church family, keep our law enforcement and all of our first responders in prayer. We must be a people who backs the law and order of this nation. We must not contribute to the craziness and to the confusion, but we must back the law enforcement of this community. It was a very powerful event when the citizens of Montgomery County... The clergy and just just every aspect of our county gathered together in prayer for our law enforcement, specifically the Go Forth family. And then on Thursday morning, my, my dad and I, we were privileged to be in a meeting with our congressman in this district, Congressman Brady, who represents us in Washington. And he wanted to get with us and ask us if we had questions. He wanted to inform the ministry of our area um, of what he is voting on, of what, of what the legislature is voting on beginning this Tuesday through January. Um, so please, church family, be in prayer for our nation. I don't believe that politics is the answer to our nation's problems. I believe that God is the answer, but I do believe we must, we must have godly men and women in office who are seeking what is right for this nation and the principles that we were founded upon, not, not, uh, not fundamentally changing, but we must stay true to the course. Everybody say amen. So that is the labor aspect of that. I I, I guess you can say that's the worldly aspect of what I want to talk about today. But I want to move into a much more deeper spiritual aspect. In the Bible, there were people who were extremely skilled in carpentry. In fact, they were very skilled in the nation of Israel. Everybody say Israel. They were very skilled because of the fact that there were so few trees, and there are still so few trees in that area. This forced the carpenters back in those times to learn techniques that were highly skilled so that they would not waste any wood, any material that they were working with. Wood was so rare, it was so expensive that they became very skilled at techniques of using wood so that nothing would be wasted. That nothing would go to waste on the project of which they were working on. As I think about the carpenters that lived in the Bible times, my mind immediately goes straight to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus was raised in a carpenter's family. And in that day and time, it was custom that the father of the family would train his sons as they became of age, as they began to mature. The father would train the son in the trade that he was skilled in. So it was only natural that Joseph... I guess you can say in our terms it would be the stepfather or the earthly father of Jesus. It it, it was only natural that Joseph teach Jesus the skill and the trade of carpentry. According to his custom, we can assume that Jesus was probably around 15 years of age when all of this began to happen. As we read through sermons of Jesus, as the parables that we find in the New Testament, there are many references to things that a carpenter would think about, and I want to share those few verses with you this morning. Actually, it's many, but I've narrowed it down to a few. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Speaking of the broad gate, to enter by the narrow gate. A gate. You have to build a gate. Jesus Jesus was speaking from experience, speaking from something that he had built. I can only imagine the thoughts that Jesus had in his mind as he was preaching this message. I can only imagine the thoughts that went back to when he was just a boy and he was learning the art, the skill, the craft of being a carpenter. And and, and I'm sure sure his mind went back to the very first gate that he ever built, the very first project that that he ever worked on. We, uh, We can go deeper to Matthew chapter 7, the same chapter, verse 24 where Jesus says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, who built his house. We see this theme of carpentry, of building. Matthew 21 and 33. Here, another parable Jesus says, there was a certain certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it and, and dug a wine press in it And he built a tower. He built a tower. It's very very clear to us that Jesus thought in the terms of building. And perhaps that's why he's built the greatest church the world has ever known. Luke chapter 14 verse 28 says, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? You have to sit down and you have to figure your expenses, your, uh, your liabilities, uh, 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 you have to, you have to figure all of that out. As you begin to build something, Jesus was telling us in this passage uh, that we better slow down and we better consider the life uh, that we are building. We should consider the project in this body that we are building. We should consider the legacy at which we are building and the price uh, that we will pay. We will pay either an eternity in heaven or an eternity in hell. Church family, it is very important for all of us in the room today to consider the cost of the life that we are building. Consider the cost of the marriage that you are leading, sir. Ma'am, consider the cost of the children that you are raising, for you are raising something that will have a great price tag to it and will be paid a great price for. And all of these parables, you can... See the mind of a carpenter. Everybody say carpenter. You have to know the expenses of a job before you enter into the job. For if you do not do the research, if you are a contractor and you just, uh, and you just make a bid without first going and doing some research, you can get in a lot of trouble. You can get in over your head financially. But this morning, I would like to skip ahead from the time when Jesus was a carpenter with a, with a hammer and a nail. And I would like to talk uh, about the carpentry work that he did the last three and a half years of his life. As he was a minister Mark chapter 6 verses 1 through 6 says Then he went out from there and came to his own country And his disciples followed him And when the Sabbath had come he began to teach in the synagogue And many hearing him were astonished Saying where did this man get these things that he was saying And what wisdom this And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by in his hands? Is this not the carpenter of the son Mary, they ask? The carpenter of the son Mary? And brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Everybody say offended. They were offended at Jesus. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he had laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the village, all of the villages in a circuit. Teaching, so he was he, he he was on a circuit, roaming the villages, teaching. I want to focus right now on verse number three, though. After initially being enthralled with his message, the people in the synagogue began to become skeptical, or maybe even cynical, and they said, "Is this not the carpenter? Is this not the son of Mary?" And he's telling us uh, that he is the Messiah. This can't be. He's a carpenter. We remember him growing up. We watched him for 15 years as he repaired our furniture, as we brought things to him to fix, and he came to our house, and he built things. This man is not the Messiah. This must be a false prophet. You see, all of this, all of these questions was based around one concept, that they rejected Jesus. And church family, Jesus might not come in the package or the situation Situation That we want him, but regardless of how he comes, we must always accept him as the sovereign lamb of God. He is and always will be perfect. So your situation might not be what you wanted. The sermon might not be what you liked and the job might not be what you want to do, but we must accept the fact that Jesus is in it all and he is ordering our steps and we're going to trust that he's ordering them in the right direction. Jesus was not ashamed of being a carpenter from the age of 15. He was not ashamed of growing up in a carpenter's home. That's why you and I, church family, should not be afraid and should not be ashamed at where we started when God found us. God might have found you in a drug house. God might have found you in a bar. God might have found you with a needle in your arm. God might have found you with your fist up fighting. But wherever God found you, you do not have to be ashamed of the work that he has begun. Because he that has begun a good work, he will finish it until the end. That's why you ought not be ashamed of your testimony. Well, my testimony is dark. My testimony is sad. My testimony is bad. Uh, There is no such thing as a bad testimony. A testimony is just the fact that you were once a sinner that is now saved by grace. And you might be able to tell your testimony to somebody else. And God can, see, and they can see the handiwork of God in your life. You see, I would like to bring the following points forward this morning. See, there are several things that are very significant about His profession as a carpenter. But before I do that, I would like to point out this one thing, that Jesus was a carpenter longer than he was a preacher. Jesus was a carpenter a lot longer than he was a healer. Jesus was a carpenter before he was a preacher. Jesus was a carpenter before he was a minister. Don't despise where you are right now because you don't know where God has taken you. You don't know what God has in store for your life. You might feel like you are in the middle of the fight of your life, and you don't feel like it is ever going to end. But church family, hear me. morning, Hear the words that I am saying. God is leading you, and God is leading this church towards an awesome revival. He is leading your family to something great. He is leading your life to something great. If you just be faithful, if you just hang on, you will see his promises through. Don't doubt the process. You might can get tired. You might can get angry, but don't sin. Just trust the process that God has your life on. Can I get an amen? You see, some of the things that the Jewish people were very upset about in Mark chapter 6 is because they accepted, they expected the Messiah to be born in a palace, but The Messiah wasn't born in a palace. He was born born in a stable with animals. He was born and he was immediately laid not in the finest of silks and not in the finest of linens. But he was immediately wrapped in swaddling clothes and lied in a hay-filled manger. Number two, the Jews expected Jesus to be born into a royal family. That was far from the case for he was born. He was born Of a virgin, and shortly after his birth, they had to flee for their very life because Herod had heard the news and was angry. Number three, the Jews expected Jesus to be raised and taught militaristic skills. They thought that the Messiah, the king of kings, would be just that, a king. He would be excellent in the craft of war. He would be excellent in the ideology and the process of what it takes to be a king and a warrior and to lead an army. But what they did not realize is that that the very king that was born said that the weapons we use are not bombs and guns, but worship and praise and a life filled with his spirit is the only way that the battle will ever be won, we cannot win this battle on the political scene. We cannot win this battle with carnal mindsets. But the only way, the only way that this nation will be restored back to greatness, if it ever will be, we don't even know. The only way that our lives can ever be restored to their intended purpose in Jesus Christ is to seek His kingdom first. Don't get up in the air about everything you see happening in the political. Frame. I recognize that our religious liberties are being stripped from us. I recognize that people are now being locked in jail for what they feel is right or wrong. And I don't want to dive into that. But the, uh, uh, but the reality is, is, our, is our liberties are being taken away. But when I think about Jesus, Jesus was crucified because he broke the law. Uh, uh, the apostle Paul, all, all of the apostles, were uh, they were stoned, they were beheaded, they were cast on. islands to die because they broke the law, not because they had no respect for the government in which they lived, for they did, but they had a much higher respect for the law of the kingdom in which they now operate in. Church family, we must respect the laws of this nation. We must recognize that they are sovereign and we should never break them unless it comes to something that directly contradicts the word of God. We must be able to stand firm on the law of Jesus Christ and the laws that are mentioned in his holy book. Can I get an amen? Amen. It didn't happen the way that the Jewish people wanted to happen. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born into a royal family. Jesus was not trained as a soldier or a military leader. He was trained to be a carpenter. Why? Why would the King of kings and the Lord of lords just be a carpenter You can't win a war being a carpenter. You can't win a war knowing how to build a table. You can't do this. You can't be a king and lead an army like that. But you see, Jesus wanted to identify himself with the common people of who he came to save. That's something we must never forget. Jesus came to save us. Every person, he came to save us. So the significance of Jesus being a carpenter It's tied to two really important things, really three, but I want to focus on two. I'll hit on the third one at the close of this message. But the first two things, the significance of Jesus being a carpenter. A carpenter, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the person who sets up kingdoms and tears down kingdoms, being a carpenter, that does not make sense. The carpenter might be a powerful person in one, in one particular industry, but he is not a mover and shaker of society. But why would Jesus be a carpenter? I think, I, I think it's important to recognize the two things, uh, the two significant things why, uh, 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 why, God chose, why God chose to come and become a carpenter. Is number one, because carpenters fix things. They rebuild. And number two, they create things out of nothing. And can you testify of that in your own life, church family? Can can you just look back right now over the course of your life and recognize where God has fixed you? And And then can you think about the things that God has created that you did not think could ever happen, the miracles that God has done in your life? Think about the two parts of a carpenter's job. Many times we call a carpenter to repair something that has been broken. Carpenters repair the damage that we created. Does that not sound familiar With this God that we serve, just as he was in the natural, so he is in the spiritual. No matter where you are, no matter what circumstance you find your life in today, church family, Jesus can fix your problems. Jesus can fix your soul. Jesus wants to fix your soul. I'm sure people brought Jesus their broken furniture I'm sure they brought him uh, I, I, I'm sure they brought him into their homes to fix things and to build things that weren't even broken yet uh, I'm sure they brought him in to do that and just like they brought him in to fix their furniture by the time he was of the age of 30 they begin to bring other broken things to him they begin to bring uh, blinded eyes and deaf ears and broken hearts and withered hands and dead babies and and, and, and broken systems of society And he began to fix it. And the beautiful thing about it is, he did not stop when he was crucified for our sins on the cross. But Jesus Christ is still fixing society, he is still having his hand in the affairs of everything that we walk through. Don't walk around depressed and fearful, thinking that we're going to hell in a handbasket. You must recognize the economy that we live in must, it dictates that God must be in control. He is in control. God is in control, church family. Don't be fearful. Don't be paranoid. Recognize that God holds the whole world in his hands. And if his hands are big enough to hold it, his hands are strong enough to fix it this morning. Jesus still fixes broken people. The great carpenter can look down upon us and see the messes that we live in, the messes and the mistakes that we have made. And he can come down and fix the messes. That awful mistake that we committed, that awful sin that we took place in, he can begin to repair it today. God can begin the healing process in your life today, church family. On a holiday weekend I want you to wake up and I want you to begin to let your face soar right now and recognize that God can fix your mess God can fix what you can't fix God can heal what you can't heal and he can go where you can't go this morning church family (laughs) Matthew chapter 12 and verse 20 says a bruised reed he will not break everybody say will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench talking of a candle that is going out, till he sends forth justice to victory. A bruised reed he will not break. We are like the bruised and broken reed, church family. Our lives are bruised. Our families are battered. Our finances are shaken and bruised. We don't know what we're going to do. But one thing you can have trust and confidence in is God has not come to destroy, but God has come to fix. The Lord is in the house this morning, church family, to fix whatever needs you have, whatever situation you're walking through. He has come to fix your needs. I speak against the mentality that we have that says God can't move on a holiday weekend. Church family, God can move today. God is not bound, but but by only our mentality. So when you feel like you are broken, when you feel like you can't do anything right, and when you are on the verge of giving up this morning, I say, don't give up. Don't stop. Keep on keeping on. Be faithful to the house of God and to the things of God. Be faithful to your small group. Be faithful in your giving of all areas, not just your finances. Be faithful. Don't be weary and well-doing. Don't faint, but keep up the good work. Fight the good fight of faith because Jesus fixes broken people and he fixes broken churches and he fixes broken families and he fixes broken individuals. Can we give God praise for that this morning, church family? Oh, come on. Give him praise like he fixed your life. Thank you, God, for fixing me. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for delivering me, Jesus. Uh, Does anybody have a grateful heart this morning? Uh, Can anybody testify of the goodness uh, of Jesus? Uh, For when I think uh, of the goodness of Jesus uh, and all he has done for me, uh, my soul cries out, uh, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Come on, you can do better than that, church family. Give God thanks uh, for what he has done and what he is doing in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It it goes one step past that. Jesus not only fixes broken people, but Jesus builds new things. Everybody say, he builds. He builds new things. It didn't stop when he turned 30. He might have stopped building tables and chairs and houses and and other things like that, but he just, he just transferred what he was building. John chapter 1, verse 3 says, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Genesis 1 and 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but he wasn't stopped building there Because we can go to Matthew 6 and 16 and 18 and he says And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will Build my church And the gates of Hades Shall not prevail against it But it didn't stop in Matthew We can go to Acts chapter 2 on the day Of Pentecost when they were all In one accord in one place The Lord decided just to put another brick On the project that he was working on And soul by soul and brick by brick he began to build a church and it didn't stop in Acts 2 it went over to the next chapter it went over to the next chapter and the chapter after that and the year after that and the decade after that and the millennium after that and he's still building the church today he is still building something out of nothing thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Not only did he build the church, but he is preparing a place for us. Go to John chapter 14, verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to build a place for you. Church family, this world is not our home. God is building a city. God is building a light. He is building a place for you and I to dwell for he eternity and I want that to be my home. I'm going to do everything I can do to make heaven my home we must make heaven our home church family we must not view this world as oh we must not view it as this is our home we are pilgrims we are missionaries passing through a foreign land foreigners mean that you get culture shock foreign means that this culture is not our culture this language is not our language this way of living is not our way of living I am living for a greater purpose I am living for a greater reason I am living for a greater city. I am living for a greater person, and his name is Jesus. Some call him wonderful. Others call him counselor. Others call him mighty God. Some say he's the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. I just call him Jesus. I call him Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I call him Jehovah Nisi, for he reigns in victory. That's who he is. That's who he is, church family. And thirdly, thirdly, I want to talk, why do carpenters fix things and why do carpenters create things? What's the reason? What's the why? We know what they do, but why? The reason why they do that is because they see things differently. Everybody say they see differently. They see differently. They see differently. Differently, you and I may look at a piece of wood and see all that is wrong in it. Have you ever done that? Gone to the hardware store? Why is that wood? Why is that two by four there? That can't be used. A big old knot in it. It's cracked. It's not the same dimensions. It's bowed. It's curved. It doesn't. This isn't going to work. That's not how carpenters see things. Carpenters look past the issues and see a solution. Everybody say solution. Carpenters see the potential and not the problem. They see the potential and something and not the problem. Jesus sees your problems, but he looks beyond your faults and he sees who you are and what he can do in your life. Jesus sees the dysfunction of your family and the chaos of your finances and the instability of your career, but he recognizes that there's something in you that is, uh, there's something in you that is capable of doing great things. There's something in each and every one of you under the sound of my voice that God's, that God finds attractive and God finds himself drawn. To And we better make ourselves available to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for what he can do in our life is far greater than what we can do on our own accord, church family. We must pick up our cross and follow Jesus. We must die to our flesh and say, God, I decrease so you increase because it's not about me, but Jesus. Here this church this morning, it's not about this address, it's not about this building, but it's about you. It's about your will. It's about your vision. It's about your mission. It's not about my preferences. It's not about my works, for my works will never be good enough. The works of this church, the mission of this church will never be good enough. But when we surrender ourselves to God, the great carpenter can build something beautiful, something amazing that we can ever do on our own accord. Carpenters look past the issues. That's why it's important, church family, for you to look past the issues of the neighbor sitting down the pew from you. We know they have issues. We all see their issues. It's like a big old sore thumb sticking out. And so are mine and so are yours. But we must look past the issues and the shortcomings and the failures of our peers and our friends and loved ones in this church. And we must recognize that God has brought them here for a reason. has a plan and in his master plan, the plan for their life is to be intertwined with our life and we must look past the faults. I don't understand why some people in the church like to focus on the faults and the problems of people and the church itself. We have to look past that and we have to realize that God is building the house. Unless he builds the house, we labor in vain. He is building. He is creating. He is manufacturing something that we can never imagine, but it will be beautiful. Trust the process, church family. Trust the process for your family. Trust the processes uh, 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 for your finances. We have to look past the problems and we have to see solutions. We must be solution-oriented people. Solution-oriented people. Solution-oriented people. This past week we were at a meeting and the congressman, he, 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 he informed us of what was taking place, and he opened up the floor, and he said, what do you have questions about? What, uh, uh, what do you not understand? What are the problems? And people begin, to, uh, people begin to list their problems. People begin to say, well, this is what I don't understand, this and that, this and that. And then our pastor, I was so proud of him. He spoke up, and he offered some solutions, and he talked about trust and servant leadership. And the congressman, a very powerful man, turned his back on all the other pastors that were there and turned and he had a conversation with our pastor because he recognized that we weren't looking and focusing on what was wrong but we recognize that trust can fix the issue church family if trust can fix the issues that you and I have if we can work out our personal differences and we can begin to trust each other how much more can God fix our issues when we put our trust and our confidence in him we must trust him That he is building a good work He's building a good work Stand with me this morning I I don't want to be very long I want to honor your holiday But I don't want to be too fast That we rush past the will of God either It's about a year and a half ago That my dear wife came to me with a project And husbands you know You know what that means But for me, my wife's a little bit different. I'm glad that she came to me because sometimes she don't come to me. Sometimes she goes and finds the nastiest, ugly paint we have laid in the garage. And she gets a a paintbrush and just just messes the wall up. And that's when I know I'm supposed to paint that wall. But I can't just paint it that ugly color because it's not that color. That ugly color, that ugly stripe or that beautiful love note or criticism that she wrote in paint on the wall is just to get my attention. So then we have the conversation, but she didn't do that this time. Thank the good Lord. She came to me. She said, all right, Presley's growing up. Allie's fixing to be here. Um, I want Allie's room to be Presley's room. I want Presley to move to the guest bedroom, but we don't have any furniture. Um, I don't know what I want to do. I really don't know exactly what to do, so let's think about it. So we began thinking, and I was really getting scared because I know what we paid for the baby furniture. We weren't doing that <coughs> Excuse me And I didn't say nothing I was, I was just going to be a good husband Because she was nesting And she was pregnant with Allie And you don't say no to a pregnant woman So If she wanted expensive furniture I was going to find a way But she came to me She said Babe um, I want to get some old junky furniture And I want to fix it up I said Really So we went down the road and we found, went I don't even resale shop, I don't know what it was. Um, and there was a twin bed in there that was hideous. I mean, it was it was like greenish yellow. It was it was ugly. It needed a lot of work. And she saw it and she said, "That's it. That's it. I'm not going anywhere else." The first place we'd only been there a few minutes, and she said, "That's it." So I looked at the price and I said, "Yes, ma'am. That is it right there." <laughs> That was the most that was the most beautiful, ugly thing I've ever seen in my life. And so we got that. And then she got to looking on Craigslist for some furniture. And she couldn't find anything ugly enough. And so we went to Grammy's house and found a piece of furniture. And Grammy gave us our inheritance early. And uh, she gave us a chest of drawers. And... Uh, I didn't know because that wasn't looking like the bed. And I wouldn't, we we got some, we got a gap we got to kind of fix and bridge this thing together. Um, And so my little five foot nothing expecting wife went to the paint store and got some paint. And we had all this furniture out in the garage. And for days, my wife was out there working, working. And I didn't, dare go over there because if I went over there I was going to have to work and if I had to start working with her we were going to start fighting so I just happy wife is happy life sometimes so we began that process of transforming Presley's room and it all came together and it's beautiful but all because there was a nesting mama that had a vision of something that wasn't that wasn't it wasn't created yet It what she saw was ugly what she saw what we had nobody wanted it But yet, she somehow did a work on it and tied it together, and we have a really cool. It's kind of a kind of like a throwback room, um, airplanes, and just it's it's just it's it's cool. It's cool. I wish it was my room sometimes. Um, but that all happened because she had a vision of something. As the artist, as the carpenter, she saw something. She saw a work that she could do to make something that wasn't super attractive to make it very attractive that something you would see in a magazine. I think Jesus looks at us the same way, church family. I think he looks at us the same thing and he sees the potential in which we have. And it might take some work. We might not be able to go straight into the house. We might not be able to go straight to the platform. We might not be able to go straight to the Sunday school class. We might have to do something else around the church at first, but he has something he has something that where he can begin a good work and he can move us into the house pretty quick and that's what he wants to do with your life it starts with salvation see jesus jesus chose to die on a cross you know i mean he didn't say crucify me but i mean he could have been stoned he could have been beheaded king ahab in the old testament i believe it's first kings 22 He was shot with arrows. There was all kinds of great men that were persecuted and killed and murdered. Um, But Jesus chose to do something that was real familiar to him. For he was born in a wooden stable and laid in a wooden manger. And then when they took him home, he immediately had to flee because Herod was after him. But then it became safe for him to come back. And when he came back, he was just an infant He was just he, he was just a little boy And he would hear the sound of a hammer meeting a nail And he would hear the crunch and the crack of that nail Driving into the wood And he And, and, and he was familiar with that sound And so he became a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 17-year-old And he began doing that very thing himself And so at his death uh, As being the carpenter, the great carpenter That fixed things and repaired things And created things He recognized that he must go out Just like he came in And he died a carpenter Carpenter's death with a hammer meeting a nail and a hammer piercing his body going into a going into a wooden cross. The very way in which he came in is the way he went out. But it was so much more powerful than that. For when that nail went through his flesh and that blood began to run. That blood was not running to kill him. That blood was running to make us be alive. Church family, we must forever be grateful for the great carpenter and the work. That Jesus Christ has done. Roman soldiers took hammers and nails. The tools of a carpenter. And they nailed the son of God to a wooden cross. See it was ugly. It was an ugly way to die. It wasn't like we hear about the martyrs today. The Christians today being slaughtered in the Middle East. By being beheaded or burned alive. It wasn't anything like that. It was a slow painful. Probably the most painful form of death. That there ever was. His blood. His blood being shed. Would would result in our forgiveness. It was not a coincidence. It was not a coincidence. That he was raised in the home of a carpenter. It was not a coincidence. That he became a carpenter. It was not a coincidence. That he began working on the people. In the day. And then died. And it's not a coincidence. That he's working in your life today church family. I don't know what your need is. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know how hopeless it is. It might be good. I don't know. But one thing I know is Jesus wants to make it even better. God, I pray in this room today, God, that you can minister to the hearts of people in this room today. Lord, you know every hurt, you know every heartache, you know every fear, you know every anxiety, you know every bit of pressure, you know every bit of stress, God, you know the chaos that drives us crazy, that keeps us awake at night and doesn't allow us to sleep because we have tears rolling down our faces, God. Lord, I pray right now that you reach your hands, uh, your, uh, 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 your hands down into our life and begin working and fixing, God. Lord, I make my life available to you, God. I make myself available to you for you to fix me today, God. Could you make that prayer your prayer, church family? Come on, open your mouth, lift your hands, let's surrender to Jesus. The Lord wants to do a good work in your life. He wants to perform a miracle in your life, church family. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I wonder if anybody would like to make a step of faith and walk towards the front this morning. And just tell God, I need you this morning. I need you in my life. God, I can't make it on my own this morning, but I got to have you to fix me. I got to have you, Lord, if you just got to recreate, God, recreate. If you can rearrange, rearrange, God. Lord, whatever you need to do, Lord, I pray that it begins today in the heart of this church family, oh God. Lord, rearrange our lives, oh God. Rearrange my life, oh God. The area where I have questions, oh God. The area where I have concerns, Lord. The areas where I failed you, God. I need you to put your hands to work in, oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. We all have something that we can give to God this morning. Whatever whatever your issue is, give to the Lord this morning. I need you this morning, Jesus. I got to have you this morning, oh God. Chains are loose, oh God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
1: Relationship. Lord, would you build me over anew? Would you rebuild me? Remanufacture me? Make me anew today, Jesus. Make me anew today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Work on us, Lord. Work on us on the inside. Work on us down deep. Let your hand of healing, let your hand of repair, let your work and will be done in our lives, Jesus. Oh, let your work in your hand be done in our lives. Let your work be done in our lives, Jesus. Uh, From the front to the back, from the east to the west walls. um, Let your work, oh Lord, be in us. Uh, Let your work, oh Lord, be in us. Uh, Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. No other name, no other name. I know, no other name, no other name. I know, no other name, no other name. I know, no other name, no other name, no other name. Remake me, Jesus. Rework me, Master. You're willing me, Jesus. I know. Oh, we love you, Jesus, and we worship you, Jesus, and we magnify you, Master. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Lord, we love you, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. And just think, just think, that carpenter, That carpenter took care of a whole lot of stuff in your life when two pieces of wood got nailed together and he allowed himself to be hung on that cross. Think about it. He did it for you. He did it for me. He loves you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this Labor Day Sunday. I want you to remember Wednesday night service. We continue in the I Will series. Of course, next Sunday is our Heritage Sunday. You do not want to, to miss that, that great day. Amen. I love you. Please, uh, tonight, remember, no service here. Find some fellowship. Find some time with family or friends. God bless you. I love you. We'll see you back. Let's go in Jesus' name. Jesus must be